a body is found in the wreckage of a Minneapolis pawn shop that was burned during the George Floyd riots. Andrew Cuomo decides to blame everybody but himself for what happened in New York. The House passes a bill that could repeal all of the travel bans that Trump put into place, and Lando Calrissian may be back, but not in the way that we want him to be. I'm Jay Edgar, and this is Contemporary. Good morning, folks, and welcome to Contemporary. I'm your host, Jay Edgar. We've got a bunch to get to today, including the Star Wars news that nobody wanted, but yet is still going to happen here. But before we get on started here, head on over to freedomscoop.com. Freedomscoop.com is going to be your one-stop shop for all of your news and commentary needs. We have got my shows over there. We have got Stephen Ignoramus, who will be on... Just slightly before I go off the air, judging by the amount of news that I have here and the time that it is there. But we've also got the Breakdown with Birkenhoff. We've got the Freckles and Brit Show. We have got the R-Rated Conservative. And we've got the Generational Gap. Come on over and check all of us out. It'll be a great time. We'd love to see you over there and enjoy your stay with us as well. All right. Let's get right down into things. First off, we'll look at the Dow, which had a pretty sharp spike towards the end of the day, and that came on some biotech news that we uh, saw at the end of the day. It looks like Pfizer and I think it's Biogen, we'll talk a bit about that when we go over to the news of itself, had a little bit of a merger, and now they're getting ready to go up, and it's increasing things as well. So, looks like, and I mean, it's not a huge gain, it looks like a huge gain comparatively, but it was a fairly steady day across the Dow yesterday. But... With that, let's see what's going on in the stock's news. From CNBC to start with, Dow rises more than 150 points after Pfizer BioNTech deal. Lawmakers move towards further stimulus from Fred Imbert and Maggie Fitzgerald. Stocks rose on Wednesday, boosted by news of a coronavirus vaccine deal between the U.S. government and Pfizer and BioNTech, and apparent progress on U.S. stimulus negotiations. Make sure you get that tracker chip. The Dow Jones Industrial Average gained 165.44 points, or 0.6%, to close at the 2700584 mark. It was Dow's third straight gain. The S&P 500 rose 0.6% to 32.76.84, posting a four-day winning streak. And the Nasdaq Composite advanced 0.2% to 10.706.13. The S&P 500 also traded at its highest level in five months. The U.S. agreed to pay Pfizer and German partner BioNTech $1.95 billion, with a B, billion dollars. Where is that money coming from? Check your pockets. To produce 100 million coronavirus vaccines if it proves to be safe and effective. The Department of Health and Human Services added the U.S. can acquire additional 500 million doses of the drug under the agreement. Pfizer rose more than 5%. BioNTech's U.S.-listed shares gained 13.7%. They're in the money, folks. Typically, it takes roughly a decade for a new vaccine to go through the various stages of development and testing. But a decade from now, it's not going to be politically convenient anymore. 
said Ed Yardeni, chief investment strategist at Yardeni Research, in a note. However, the urgency of the pandemic and the political urgency that comes with it has resulted in a mobilization of global medical resources rarely seen before in human history. Billions of dollars provided by both the public and private sectors are funding the global campaign to develop tests, vaccines, and cures for the virus. But the next phase will be critical to demonstrate that the potential vaccines can protect against the infections, he said. <clears throat> Stocks got a boost in the final hour after sources told CNBC that Republicans are considering extending current unemployment benefits at $400 a month through December. That would be lower than the current unemployment benefits of $600 per week. Market sentiment was kept in check earlier in the session after the U.S. State Department abruptly ordered China to close its consulate in Houston. Foreign Ministry spokesperson Wang Wenbin condemned the action and warned of firm countermeasures if the U.S. does not reverse its decision. The closure comes as relations between the two largest world economies have deteriorated during the coronavirus pandemic. Dan Deming, managing director at KKM Financial, also said there may be some apprehension in the market amid the heightened civil unrest across the U.S. Those are legitimate concerns, but they have not had much of an impact at this point because of the overwhelming focus of the stimulus that came from the European Union and the U.S. package that's currently being worked on. So a couple things that are moving here. Uh, a little bit of tech here before we move on to the next one here. Uh, traders also braced for the latest earnings reports from Microsoft and Tesla, which were set to release after the bell. Microsoft has been one of the market stalwarts this year during the pandemic, surging more than 30% in that time period. Wall Street's also awaiting Tesla's results, which could make the company qualify to become an S&P 500 constituents. Other companies that have reported earnings, including uh, Snap, United Airlines, shares of Snap dropped more than 6% after the social media company reported fewer than expected daily active users. So nobody's showing their junk to each other anymore on Snapchat. Shares of UA dropped 4.2% after the company reported a net loss of $1.62 billion for the second quarter. The coronavirus pandemic's impact on travel fueled an 87% year-over-year revenue decline for the Chicago-based airline. So that's what CNBC's got to say, and of course, their big news is, oh, the vaccine, get the vaccine, you're going to get the vaccine. But I still feel like a lot of people aren't going to get it here. I know I'm probably not going to. Uh, from Yahoo Life. From Emily McCormick. Stock market news, live updates, stock futures higher amid earnings, onslaught, and jobless claims. Stocks futures rose Thursday morning, pointing to a higher opening on Wall Street with investors focused on the U.S. unchecked coronavirus crisis and jobless claims. Investors digested a batch of corporate earnings results from Microsoft, Tesla, and Chipotle, all bellwethers of their respective industries. The software giant was boosted by the performance of its cloud platform in the latest quarter, but its stock slipped after hours trading by over 2%. Meanwhile, the electric car maker shares were poised to rocket on Thursday after posting a surprise quarter two profit and announcing a new factory in Austin, Texas. They are going to do it. They're going to go to Austin. Welcome to Texas, Elon. Hopefully you can move all the rest of your stuff out of California as well. During Wednesday's regular session, investors shook off new international concerns amid flaring tensions between America and China, the world's two largest economies, China. Instead, optimism over a coronavirus cure spurred by Pfizer's nearly $2 billion agreement with the U.S. government over their COVID-19 vaccine candidate led to gains in the 30-stock Dow. 
Meanwhile, analysts are nervously eyeing another round of coronavirus-related fiscal stimulus talks in Washington. With hopes of building for a compromise on unemployment, payments markets were also bracing for yet another grim read on jobless claims, which are expected to top a million dollar or one million yet again. A million dollars. Yeah, that would be nice for everybody that's out there on jobless claims. I mean, we're inflating the money anyway. Tuesday's consulate spat came as relations with the U.S. and China were tested further by new fissures in their fractured relations. Where's my cursor? There it is. China on Wednesday condemned the U.S. decision or to order the closure of China's consulate in Houston, which the U.S. State Department said was a move to protect American intellectual property and Americans' private information, State Department spokesperson Morgan Ortega said in an email, Beijing vowed to retaliate against the forced closure. In addition, the Justice Department on Tuesday accused two Chinese nationals of attempting to steal data, including U.S. research on COVID-19 vaccines on Beijing's behalf. So there are a couple things that are affecting the markets. It'd probably be a little bit more if the government hadn't closed the China consulate, but hey, the trade-off to that is the fact that there is a China consulate at this point. So a couple different things going on here. It's going to affect the markets today. I think it's going to stay steady again. We've been staying pretty steady. For the past few weeks and steady is good because the spikes the spikes make everybody nervous hey look it's an ad for the bronco oh, you guys can't see it because my face is over oh there it is it's an ad for the bronco the thing that i uh liked last week i kind of do want one they're not bad price all right but we got to keep going it's time for news all right starting off on some bad news for the day unfortunately from Fox 9 KMSP out of Minneapolis, St. Paul. Body found in wreckage of Minneapolis pawn shop that burned during the riots. This is from a couple days ago, but I was just made aware of this yesterday. So let's see what they had to say over at KMSP. Authorities say a dead body was located in the wreckage of a pawn shop that burned down during the Minneapolis riots following the death of George Floyd. According to Minneapolis Police, Minneapolis Fire, the ATF, the state fire marshal, Crews discovered the body Monday morning in the wreckage of Maxit Pond at 2726 East Lake Street in Minneapolis. The body is believed to be an adult male. His identity, along with the nature and cause of the death, will be released by the medical examiner's office. Minneapolis Police Homicide Unit has taken over the case. One man has been charged with setting fire to that location. He is 25-year-old Montez Lee of Rochester, Minnesota. So, yeah, we got to start out with some bad news here. It's a relatively short article because there's not much to report. They're not giving the identity or anything right now. But, yeah, it does appear that I don't know if the dude was burned to death, if they just hid the body there before they burned the place down. But something happened. Somebody died. And that's where we come out of it because they keep trying to tell us these are peaceful protests. It's a peaceful protest, they say. It's all peaceful. Don't worry. They're all just being peaceful. And now we've got a confirmed, well, We've seen confirmed people die out of this already, but we've got a confirmed people or a person dead over the riots because people wanted to burn stuff. So as soon as we know who the family is, we'll put our hearts out to the family and hope that they can find peace in this. And we will go on from this. From CNN, NYPD disperses protest encampment outside City Hall from Lauren DeVal. 
a protest encampment outside New York City, city uh, City's City Hall was dispersed early Wednesday morning by New York Police Department officials in riot gear, according to the NYPD. Several hundred officers dispersed the remaining protesters after a nearly month-long encampment that started with protesters demanding the NYPD be defunded. NYPD Commissioner of Operations Ray Spinella said in a press conference on Wednesday, Facing pressure from the thousands of constituents, New York City did ultimately slash a billion dollars from the police budget about a week into the protest encampment. The approved budget reallocated some duties and millions of dollars in associated funding from the NYPD to the Department of Education, the Department of Health and Mental Hygiene, and the Department of Homeless Services. Protesters were given a 10-minute warning before the officers moved in at about 4 a.m. on Wednesday. The process was peaceful and most left voluntarily. Well, yeah, they probably want to go back indoors at some point here, Spinella said. We felt the time had come to end the occupation and allow cleanup crews to begin the process of remo removing the graffiti, Spinella told reporters. Seven people were arrested during the operation and one officer was struck by a brick but not injured, he said. CNN has reached out to the police for clarity on the charges under which the arrests were made. The area will be closed for several weeks as city workers clean and remove graffiti protesters sprayed on public buildings, Spinella said. Mayor de Blasio has said the encampments are not permitted in New York City and his administration monitored the encampment balancing that policy with the right to protest. It's an American value to respect the right to protest. I've also said we don't allow encampments around the city. We haven't for years. Unlike the past, it's something we have to assess because it's not like the other type of situations we've seen historically, the mayor said during a press conference on Tuesday. The encampment, however, is a public safety concern, de Blasio said. Yeah, I'll love to see how he squares this circle because he's the guy that's coming out and saying, well, no, no, not at all. No, we're absolutely just going to, we're on your side, protesters. We are 100% on your side. Don't, don't kill us, please. And here he is yanking the encampments out of the place with the police that everyone demanded defunded. So, yeah, it... This is like the edge of a chaz in New York City, protesting outside City Hall. Of course, they're not going to take City Hall because de Blasio is not going to allow it. But, yeah, it's time to go home. And there was another uh, protest that went on in New York yesterday, but there was no news check verified articles that went along with it. But it appears that there was a rain-soaked uh, protest up in New York yesterday over the Portland riots, which go ahead and protest that. That's fine. The federal government has the right to defend their own buildings. As much as I don't think the federal government should have buildings in federal courthouses, especially far away from D.C., it is their right and responsibility to protect their own property, and that's what they did. But yeah, go ahead and protest, and you'll write the campaign ads for the next administration. All right, let's keep going here. Speaking of Portland, from Fox News. Portland mayor tear-gassed by federal agents, riot declared. From Fox News staff. A riot de uh, was declared in Portland just after midnight Thursday morning after Mayor Ted Wheeler's tense visit with protesters where he was booed, told to resign, given a list of demands, and tear-gassed by federal agents. His visit ended with his security detail engaging in a struggle. Oh, so he has a security detail, does he? He wants to defend your police. But he has a security detail of his own. 
His visit ended with his security detail engaging in a struggle with protesters late Wednesday night as they worked to get the mayor to safety, a report said. Earlier, he moved with protesters to the fence outside the federal courthouse, where he stood at the front and was tear-gassed along with the crowd, according to the New York Times correspondent Mike Baker. Wheeler called the tear-gassing an egregious overreaction, telling Baker he didn't see anything in the crowd that warranted the reaction from federal officers. This is not a de-escalation strategy, he said. This is flat-out urban warfare and is being brought on this country by the president, and it's got to stop now. As Wheeler left, a few protesters following him tried to push against his security team. Once he entered a building, others threw water bottles and other projectiles at the glass door, according to Baker. Oh yeah, he got himself tear-gassed off of this. And of course, we don't know what happened because the mainstreams aren't going to tell us what caused that in. But I mean, you know, if you don't want them to be using tear gas in anything, I guess they could always start using live ammunition. But you, is that what you'd rather them have? I don't want them to use live ammunition, but if that's what you'd rather ha they have to defend their property, federal property, then hey, it's your city. Portland City Council passed new policies on Wednesday that immediately bans all police bureau members from working with federal law enforcement and prevents them from intentionally arresting or using force on journalists and legal observers. Why does this all sound familiar? I mean, isn't this the same kind of stuff that happened at Antietam? Where people in the South were saying, oh, well, you're Union Army guys, you're not welcome here anymore. Yeah, this, this is history repeating itself. I don't know if we're in a hot civil war yet at this point. I know we're kind of in a cold one. But I'm thinking we're close. We have got to be. Portland's getting ready to occupy federal territory and boot the federal government out of its state. You're treading here, guys. You're treading on some dangerous area. So, that's what we saw up in Portland here. I love the fact that Wheeler got tear gassed after... After the protesters tried to get at him, then he got tear gassed by the feds. All right, let's keep going. From the Daily Wire. CA City, is it California City? Yeah, California City approves BLM mur uh, mural, then a citizen requests a Mega 2020 mural. BLM mural gets removed from Hank Berrien. A California city approved of a resident creating a Black Lives Matter street mural that was painted for Independence Day, but after another resident requested approval to paint a MAGA 2020 mural nearby, the city decided to power wash away the BLM mural. Ah, uh, well, I guess we can't give equal protection to everybody, and we can't give equal favoritism to everybody, so let's, let's just make this all go away. As Red State reported, city leaders in Redwood City approved of Dan Pease painting a Black Lives Matter mural on Broadway Street, even giving him a yellow paint to daub the street, according to the Sacramento Bee. But then a real estate attorney, Maria Rutenberg, made her request, a MAGA 2020 mural near the BLM mural. I saw the Black Lives Matter sign appearing on Broadway Street in the asphalt. I figured that's going to be a new public space open for discussion, and I wanted to get my message out too, Rutenberg said. She told KRON4, governments cannot and should not get to pick and choose who should be allowed to speak. Yeah, I mean, if the government's going to make the approval without giving the approval to another group, that is the government sanctioning a Marxist movement. 
Now that the cities open up the asphalts as public forums, everyone with any political message is free to write their own. I, for one, would like to paint a MAGA 2020 at the time or at a time like this, it's especially important we all allow free and open political discussion for all sides, not just BLM. After deciding to wash away the BLM mural, the city gave their ostensible reason for doing so, saying it was a traffic hazard that might cause accidents, as CBS San Francisco reported. No, no, evil Orange Man supporter decided that she wanted to put a mural down too, and, and we, we can't have that, but if we, if we don't do this, then it might be a lawsuit. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. But I hate this. This was almost the thing that I hate today. But I found something even worse, even more egregious. But speaking of Black Lives Matter, I don't want to click off this tab because I might have to take the flag down behind me. And I don't want to take this flag down that's behind me. All right. The Red Sox have put up a Black Lives Matter billboard next to Fenway Park. Now, I talked to a friend of mine that still lives out there last night, and the first thing I asked her is, say it isn't so, and she confirmed that, yes, it is so. She also speculated that it may not actually have been the Red Sox that put it up. It may have been the mayor of Boston that did that instead. Because it's not actually in Fenway Park, it is on a billboard that's out facing the pike, as you can see. So, uh, this, uh, if they keep fucking doing this, I am going to have to learn about hockey because I can't. I don't go to sports for a political or a moral lecture. I don't, because I don't care. When I'm watching sports, I want to turn my mind off to it. I'm done with the NFL. You know what blew my mind? Because I put a super chat in for Beauty and the Beta on their call-in show last night, and Christensen is done with football, too. I couldn't believe that. I thought he was going to stick around. Because he has stuck through the Vikings through some of their worst seasons. I thought he was going to stick around, but he was done, too. He commented on my uh, super chat after he read it. <clears throat> but, oh, man. I can't. So, as of right now, it stands up until we get confirmation that the team itself put it up and not the mayor. But, yeah, no. No, no. Don't give me, don't give me a moral lecture while I'm watching sports. Alright, let's keep going. From Fox News, China harboring military-linked biologist fugitive at San Francisco Consulate, FBI says, from Gregory. The Chinese consulate in San Francisco is harboring a biology researcher who falsely denied connections to the Chinese military to obtain a visa and gain access to the country, according to court documents filed by the FBI. The filing claims as part of a document that cited a slew of other episodes in which Chinese nationals allegedly lied on their visa applications by holding their military connections. Tang Wan, a researcher at the University of California, Davis, stated on her J-1 visa application that she had never served in the military, but open source investigation revealed photographs of her in the uniform of the civilian cadre of the PLA, and that she has been employed as a researcher at the Air Force Military Medical University, which is another, uh, another name, rather, for the FMMU, 4th Military Medical University, the FBI claimed. 
Then, during an interview with the FBI agents on June 20th, Tang denied serving in the Chinese military, claiming she did not know the meaning of the insignia on her uniform, and that wearing a military uniform was required for attendance at FMMU because it was a military school. The FBI revealed it then executed a search warrant immediately at Tang's home and found additional evidence of Tang's PLA affiliation. The FBI assesses that at some point following the search and interview of Tang on June 20, 2020, Tang went to the Chinese consulate in San Francisco where the FBI assesses she has remained, the Bureau announced. There existed evidence in at least one case of a military scientist copying or stealing information from American institutions at the direction of the military superiors in China. The Bureau went on, the court documents contained similar evidence against several other Chinese scientists. Shen Song, for example, was an active-duty uh, PLA military scientist who lied to get into the United States, attempted to destroy evidence, and lied extensively to the FBI when interviewed. The government wrote in charging documents. Defendant's case is not an isolated one, but it appears to be a part of a program conducted by the PLA, and specifically FMMU, or Associated Institutions, to send military scientists to the U.S. on false pretenses with false covers or false, uh, false statements about their true employment. The FBI said, referring to Chen Song, another case involves suspect or a suspected spy working for the UCSF. And yeah, they're going to go higher out in the consulate, which I'm thinking is a part of the reason that they closed up the one in Houston. It doesn't look like they can or are going to close the one in San Francisco, but yeah, they're hiding this woman. They're, they're spying on us here. China is asshole. So that's what's going on with our tensions here. I don't know if we're going to wind up in a hot civil war in this country or if we're going to go to war with China first. It does look like a couple things are happening here and hey, maybe we we will wind up in the Fallout universe sooner than we thought after all. All right, let's keep going here. I've got one archived from USA Today because they hate ad blockers. Janice Dean, COVID-19 killed my in-laws after Cuomo's reckless New York nursing home policy. From Janice Dean, a opinion contribu uh, contributor. rather. Governor Andrew Cuomo's motto during the coronavirus pandemic has always been, New York tough. It is the title of the new poster he commissioned and is selling to commemorate what appears to be his own personal journey during the COVID-19 pandemic. But when it comes to the tough questions about his leadership during this time, Cuomo has shown he isn't so tough after all. In fact, he prefers to place blame on anyone but himself for the disastrous decisions he's made. Last week, the governor held a press conference to reveal his poster. It's a picture of a mountain that represents the deadly curve found on a graph depicting more than 32,000 deaths in New York State. There are plenty of inside jokes on his mountain of death, including a cartoon drawing of a presumably his daughter's boyfriend hanging off a cliff, the governor's fancy sports car that he likes to pose with on Instagram, and a giant nose with a cotton swab inside of it. That is apparently a nod to an insensitive, giggling interview involving a giant cotton swab he did with his brother on CNN around the height of the pandemic in May. Many of us weren't laughing. My husband's parents died of coronavirus in their elder care facilities. We lost his dad in late March and his mom two weeks later. My family wasn't able to see them before they died. They weren't given last rites, wakes, or funerals. They died alone. 
Mickey and Dee Newman spent their entire lives in Brooklyn. They were true New Yorkers. Mickey was a retired New York City Fire Department firefighter who served in the U.S. Air Force. Dee helped raise three kids and was a devoted grandmother. They lived in a four-story walk-up in Brooklyn for 50 years until their health deteriorated and they required constant care. They died only a few months after being placed in their elderly care homes. Not a day goes by where I don't think of them. At first, we didn't blame anyone for their deaths. This is a pandemic, and the virus is particularly dangerous for the elderly. Then we learned about the Cuomo administration's March 25th order that recovering coronavirus patients be placed into nursing homes. The mandate also barred use or barred nursing homes from requiring incoming patients to be tested for COVID-19 prior to admission or readmission. That order stayed in effect for 46 days, during which time over 6,000 patients with the virus were placed into these facilities, housing our most vulnerable. To date, at least 6,500 of our most helpless seniors have been killed by the virus. Even the governor himself said the virus could sweep through nursing homes, like via through a dry grass. We had no idea until it was too late. I couldn't believe that this wasn't a bigger story. Instead, there was a pup or pup piece interviews on Good Morning America, CBS Sunday Morning, The Tonight Show by Jimmy Fallon, and People Magazine. Instead of asking important questions about the nursing home tragedy, publications were focused on the governor's love life. The insensitivity of it was infuriating. The death toll in our senior living facilities in New York alone was bigger than 9-11 and Hurricane Katrina combined. Where is the outrage? So this was a this is a great piece here. I'm gonna leave the archive. I'm gonna I think I have the archive. I know the original article is in the Discord because I plan on using this coming up on Monday. But I'm gonna I'm gonna link the archive in there as well, so you guys can go ahead and check that out. Because who doesn't want to get rid of ads and still be able to see the USA Today? So I'll put the archive link up in there, and we can go check that out. All right, now I do have some video here for you guys. So let me get your ears on and we'll get mine on and we'll listen to what Ted Cruz has to say via the Hill. One of the worst aspects of what Congress has done so far is, is the, the plus up in unemployment compensation. We are paying a whole lot of people a lot more money to stay home and not work than they made on their jobs. And, and, and that is terrible for those workers. It's terrible for the economy. And every time, everyone in this body who votes for paying people more money to stay home and not work than to go to work, they ought to write on the top of that, paid for by the Joe Biden for president campaign. Because there are a lot of Democratic politicians all over the country who they understand if the country shut down, if 40 million people are out of work, their guy probably wins. And so they want the economy completely shut down. We want people back at work. We want people providing for their kids. And, you know, an interesting thing, if it, if it ends up that Biden wins in November, I hope he doesn't. I don't think he will. But if he does, I guarantee you the week after the election, suddenly all those Democratic governors, all those Democratic mayors will say, everything's magically better. Go back to work, go back to school. Suddenly the problems are solved. You won't even have to wait for Biden to be sworn in. All they'll need is election day. And suddenly their willingness to just destroy people's lives and livelihoods, they will have accomplished their task. That's wrong. It's cynical. And, 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 and we shouldn't be a part of it. 
And Senator Cruz hits it right up on the head. And it's, you know, it's been something that a lot of us alt media uh, figures have been saying for a while, too. It is absolutely correct on that. He, he hit it right on the head, and I, I've got to say it. We're paying people more money than they were making to stay home. That is true. Because, I mean, 600 bucks a week? A lot of the people out there don't make that on a weekly paycheck. After you take the uh, government's mandated theft out of it as well, but hell, I don't make that much after the government mandated uh, theft comes out of it per week. So you're doubling, sometimes tripling these people's paychecks as they go along, putting them out of work. And yeah, he's right. When the economy is shut down, the economy is bad for anything. That's a good time for the Democrats to come in, but not only that, but the progressive Democrats as well. Not just not like your JFK type Democrat, but like a progressive Kamala Harris, Bernie Sanders style Democrat to come in and, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to fix everything. No, you're absolutely right. They have an agenda. And I've been saying it for a long time. As soon as, as soon as the election is over. If, God forbid, Joe Budge should win or the person that they replace him with after he dies before the election should win for whatever reason, this is all going to be over at that point. And you're never going to hear about coronavirus again. I've been saying this for a very, very long time. But I still think it's true. All right, let's keep going here. I know we're running up on the clock. I'm going to bookmark and hold on to that one too, actually, because I like that. All right, from Variety. Foo Fighters' Dave Grohl comes to teacher's defense amid Trump's politicized plans to reopen schools. From Jem Azwad. That sounds like a name that would have got it picked on in high school. I'm sorry. That's probably bad of me to say. Dave Grohl has spoken out in defense of teachers as the Trump administration continues its daunting and ever more politicized question of reopening our schools in the coronavirus pandemic. In the first audio version of the Foo Fighters founders, Dave's True Story series, Grohl, whose mother, pictured with him above, was a public school teacher, says, Every teacher has a plan. Don't they deserve one, too? My mother had to come up with three separate lesson plans every single day, public speaking, AP English, and English 10. Because that's what teachers do. They provide you with the necessary tools to survive. Who's providing them with a set of their own? American teachers are caught in a trap. Set by indecisive and conflicting sectors of failed leadership that have never been in their position and can't possibly relate to the unique challenges they face. I wouldn't trust the U.S. Secretary of Percussion to tell me how to play Smells Like Teen Spirit if they had never sat behind a drum set. So why would any teacher trust Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos to tell them how to teach without her ever having sat at the head of a class? Maybe she should switch to the drums. Until you have spent countless days in a classroom devoting your time and energy to becoming a lifelong mentor to generations of otherwise disengaged students, you must listen to those who have teacher or who have teachers want to teach, not die. And we should support them and protect them like the national treasures that they are. For without them, where would we be? Okay. A couple things to go with here. First off. You are sitting here trying to balance the Democrat Party with the need for government indoctrination and a Department of Education that was headed up and formed under Democrats, the U.S. Department of Education that was formed under there, and now they have somebody in there that they don't like. You can end all of this animosity towards Betsy DeVos by just lobbying Congress 
and the president to get rid of the U.S. Department of Education and let this all be local. And the decision to open up your schools should also be a local thing. Because what goes on in northern Wisconsin is not the same as what's going on in Toledo, Ohio, where the hell Dave Grohl lives. Or California. Or Arizona. The coronavirus is affecting places differently all across the country. So the decision as to how to do things should also fit the local population. Always. That's how it always should be. There shouldn't be any top-down stuff. Some schools can probably open. The high school in the town I live in could probably reopen. Most likely. Because there's been uh, next to nothing in this town. I think there's been like one case in the town that I live in. The schools in Milwaukee? Probably not. They probably shouldn't reopen. The schools in Madison? Probably not. But the school in my town could probably open. I'm pretty sure it wouldn't be the end of the world if the school in my town opened. So, yeah, this whole top-down thing is just, I can't understand it. I can't understand the obsession with it, but, and with Grohl, with Grohl it's different than it is with the Red Sox, because, you know, he hasn't really put out a lot of music as of any time late, and I can avoid the new music, and I can still love the art that he put out in years past. I can love the art and hate the artist, so... There are a couple things going on there. Like I said, you just get rid of, get rid of the Department of Education. It's probably the best thing for everybody. Let it all come down to the states. Let's keep going. From Fox News, House passes bill that would repeal Trump's travel bans from Marissa Schultz. The House Wednesday passed legislation to uh, restrict President Trump's authority to impose blanket travel restrictions and to repeal all iterations of his so-called Muslim ban. The No-Ban Act, which has been in the works for months, is the Democrats' response to Trump's crackdown on Muslims entering the United States that he pledged during the 2016 campaign and that materialized into various travel bans on other countries. In Muslim-majority regions and beyond, the Democrats rebuked the travel ban as xenophobic and a shameful stain on America's reputation as a beacon for religious tolerance and inclusion. The repeal legislation passed 233 to 183, but the victory will be short-lived as the Senate has no plans to take it up and Trump would surely veto the check on his authority. Wow, there is so much wrong with this. There is so much wrong with this article. Representative Rashida Tlaib joyfully presided over the vote in the House and started clapping after she announced the final tally in the chamber. She and Representative Ilhan Omar made history in 2018 by becoming the first two Muslim women elected to the U.S. House and have routinely spoken out against Trump's policies. Yeah, they're not Muslim women. At least they're not Orthodox Muslim women. They might be some kind of reformist or like barely go to church except for on holidays thing, but... Rashida Tlaib is definitely not a Muslim, uh, like an Orthodox practicing Muslim. And frankly, if Ilhan Omar was, she'd be stoned to death by now. And not in the fun way that Deba Cannabis probably would want to be stoned to death. But there is so much else wrong with this. I mean, there are certain things that the Congress has given over to the presidency. 
that they shouldn't have, that they should be going out to reclaim. The War Powers Act going away was something that I completely supported Congress coming up and taking over. But this is constitutionally a presidential power, and let's, say, let's come out and say it. If this passes the House and it goes past the Senate, and for whatever reason the President signs it, or they find a veto-proof majority in the Senate and the House together, that they can come back and push this through and override the veto. It hits the Supreme Court and it's done because it's unconstitutional, because you would have to amend the Constitution. Because the President has the sole authority to decide who comes into the country and who doesn't. That is in the Constitution. That is an actual power of the presidency. So, we need to do something about the House coming out and grandstanding over the fact that they're pushing these unconstitutional laws and they're not going to go anywhere just because yeah that's all they can that's all these laws are is grandstanding never mind the fact that this is nothing but a continuation with a couple less countries i might add to the same ban that barack obama had in place so what barack obama does is good and what orange man does is bad even if it's the same thing. Hell, three-quarters of Trump's policy is plagiarized from Barack Obama. But they call all of it bad because Trump is doing it. Let's keep going. From the Daily Wire, Biden claims Trump is the first racist president to be elected. No sitting president has ever done this. From Paul Bois. Speaking during a roundtable discussion with the Service Employees International Union on Wednesday, presumptive Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden said that Trump has been instrumental in the spreading of racism, the way he deals with people based on the color of their skin, their national origin, where they're from, is absolutely sickening. No sitting president has ever done this, Biden said, as reported by Fox News. Never, never, never. No Republican has done this. No Democratic president. We've had racists, and they've existed, and they've tried to get elected president. He's the first one to do this. So, the first thing that I have to say to this, before we go any further in the article, which it does look like that Paul Bois is going the same way, is that if no president before Trump was ever a racist, then what the fuck are we tearing all these statues down for? What is the reason for all of the statue tearing and toppling and the Francis Scott Key and changing the national anthem if, well, I mean, Francis Scott Key was never a president, but what is the purpose of all of this if no president before Trump was ever a racist, ever? Former Vice President Joe Biden is either ignorant or forgetful of history to say such a thing, considering that President Andrew Johnson, a Democrat, is considered to be one of the most virulently racist, if not the worst president to ever hold office. Now, worst president still goes to uh, Woodrow Wilson, and will go to Woodrow Wilson forever because he is the worst president we've ever had. Everyone would and must admit that the white race was superior to black, and that we, or while we ought to do our best to bring them up to our present level, that in doing so, we should at the same time raise our own intellectual status so the relative position of the two races would be the same, Andrew Johnson said to the Federal Commissioner of the Public Building Service, according to Politico. And watch, that's going to be the part that gets clipped by Jared Holt over at Right Wing Watch. According to far-left Fox, President Woodrow Wilson, also a Democrat, was not only a racist, but even more racist than the standards of his time, as evidenced by his resegregation of the federal government. 
Speaking at a White House press conference on Wednesday evening, President Trump responded to Biden's outlandish claim by highlighting his administration's many accomplishment for black Americans. We've passed, we've passed criminal justice reform, something Obama and Biden were unable to do, the president said. And I've done more for black Americans than anybody, with the possible exception of Abraham Lincoln. Nobody's ever been close. The Trump campaign simultaneously called Biden's claims outrageous. President Trump loves all people. Oh, that's not him. That's uh, Katrina Pearson. Tr President Trump loves all people, works hard to empower all Americans, and is supported by more black voters than any Republican presidential candidate in modern history. Campaign senior advisor Katrina Pearson said in a statement, no one should take uh, lectures on racial justice from Joe Biden. So yes, that fell very, very flat, and... Of course, this completely undermines the narrative of everything we've been seeing for the past two months. But, yeah, good job, Joe Biden. He, he pandered to the lowest common denominator and the people that don't know what's going on. Because everyone will forget the fact that we're tearing down Washington because he was a slave owner. Alright, let's keep going. From the Washington Times... Representative Ayanna Presley and her insane call to cancel debt. We're going to fly through this one here because uh, I made my commentary on this over on Twitter yesterday. Representative Ayanna Presley, Massachusetts Democrat and noted fourth in Socialist Squad. Yes, the Ringo Starr of the squad. That includes federal, uh, fellow Congress members AOC, Ilhan Omar, and Rashida Tlaib. Has just called for the outright cancellation of all forms of major debt. And in doing so, she's very well may have just secured the rights to the crown of insanity. You know, the one normally reserved for the heads of the most radical, most ridiculous, most far left of political office. Miss Ocasio-Cortez, queen of the new Green Deal, has worn it several times. Anti-Semitic Miss Omar, at least a couple. Now it's Miss Presley's turn. There it is. Cancel rent, Miss Presley tweeted. Cancel mortgage, cancel student debt. In other words, cancel any obligations that the citizens of this nation have in terms of paying off purchases. Purchases they freely decided to make, and by the way, and why? For what purpose? Alright, so, and that's where I'm going to stop on this article, but here is what happened with that. So yeah, she put out a tweet and it said, Cancel rent, cancel mortgage, cancel student debt. The biggest drivers of our economy currently. And I just had to turn around and give a much better idea of what would make this uh, country better because it's not those three things you freely made into purchases people have made purchases they depend on that money and you would wreck the entire economy as it is my response and my solution to this was cancel taxes cancel alphabet agencies cancel the federal government and i sure think that would do a lot more to try and help bring this country together and make this country prosperous but yes that is what miss uh Miss Presley wants to do. All right, let's keep going. From Fox News, Navy veteran taking on Maxine Waters for house seat. She's lost a lot of trust with her constituents. Yeah, she went out uh, apparently, and I wasn't able to find a confirmation on this, but went nuts on somebody outside of her car for not wearing a mask, I believe it was. But yeah, she just, this is no justice, no peace. Bullhorn Maxine Waters. If you see anybody from that cabinet, 
you get out and you tell them they're not welcome here at a gasoline station. U.S. Navy veteran and congressional candidate Joe Collins said on Wednesday that he wants to unseat Representative Maxine Waters of California because he believes she has failed to help the residents in her district. You would think that if you're a black leader in the black community, your primary responsibility is to ensure the people that or ensure that the people that are in your district have what they need in order to survive during times like COVID-19. But unfortunately, that has not been the case, Collins told Fox and Friends, arguing that Waters has failed to help minority-owned businesses in the South Los Angeles district. We have tons of black-owned businesses here in Los Angeles that have not been able to receive any type of business, not from the state, not from the city, not from the federal government. The majority of the reason is because of Maxine Waters. Running as a Republican for California's 43rd District, which includes part of Los Angeles, he's trying to unseat Waters. And his campaign has raised $3.1 million. He claimed Waters was losing trust in her constituency. Wouldn't it be something if we started to see portions of reliably blue California turn red? I mean, we just saw that absolute stop out in California 5 in the special election. Wouldn't that be something, especially if they're trying to export people out to uh, uh, Texas and the rest of the country? Wouldn't it be something if they exported so many people that California turned red? What would happen if, Cal if I mean, we got 57 guaranteed electoral college votes for the presidency, for the Republican? What would happen? I think people would go nuts. But that's where I'm going to stop on that one, I think. So, yeah. Uh, I will back you, Joe Collins, any way that I can. Of course, I'll give you some airtime if I can, because I would like to see Maxine Waters gone. But on the other side of things here, we will read from the Daily Beast. Republicans are finally turning against Trump too little too late, but vote for him anyway. From Matt Lewis. Republicans' rats are slowly abandoning ship as they finally break ranks over COVID-19 and mask wearing. These Republicans aren't heroes, far from it, but purging them all from the party, as the Lincoln uh, Project apparently wants to do, would be a mistake. Before I get into all that, though, let's not dismiss the significance of GOP attrition. If you're looking for a barometer of President Trump's re-election chances, this development is more than telling by any poll. These Republicans, who have their own pollsters, have demonstrated that they will go whichever way the wind is blowing, and it is now clear that Trump is running against the wind. Consider Ben Sass, who suddenly rediscovered his spine after bowing before Trump's bogus emergency order, and then opposing witnesses and impeachment. I want more briefings, but more importantly, I want the whole White House to start acting like a team on a mission to tackle a real problem, Sass told the New York Times. Regarding coronavirus, senior trade advisor Peter Navarro's Larry uh, Mo Curley Jr. High slap fight, this week is yet another way to undermine public confidence that these guys grasp that tens of thousands of Americans have died when tens of millions of Americans are out of work. Tough talk, and Sass isn't alone. Like several Republican governors cited by the time, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is also separating from Trump on the issues of wearing masks, as well as on Anthony Fauci, in whom McConnell says he, is, he has total confidence. Okay, so they aren't completely abandoning ship, but we are starting to see, however, is some distancing, and not just the social kind, on the issue that will probably define and doom Trump's presidency. Some independence, some daylight between Republicans and the president. 
It is against this backdrop that the Lincoln Project dropped a nuclear bomb in the form of an ad targeting Republican senators, including McConnell, Graham, Gardner, Collins, McSally, and Tom Tillis, to name a few. Yeah, the Lincoln Project are Democrats at this point, so it's not Republicans separating from Trump, it's Republicans separating from the GOP itself. Now, I was just having this discussion again last night. We are getting to the point where the Republicans are devolving into the neoliberals, the GOP, the GOP classic. And that does come from the populism that came with Trump. That's going to be what's going to carry them for a while. As the Democrat Party sinks deeper and deeper and loses more members because of it, because they're sinking into the progressive wing. So the whole Overton window is shifting left to the point I think the progressives might snuff themselves out. Republicans have become the new Democrats, and then the Libertarian could rise up and become the new right. So there are a couple things that are going along with this. We will see what happens out of this, but I have no trust in the Daily Beast, and I just wanted to point this out there that they put this up. All right, just a couple more here, and then we will do a thing that I like and a thing that I hate. Uh, from the Daily Wire, after Gorsuch sides with liberals, new precedent cited in trans case against the Catholic hospital. From Amanda Prestigiacomo. A Catholic hospital in Maryland is by, uh, facing a lawsuit from a transgender male that cites the new Supreme Court precedent established last month when Trump appointed uh, Justice Neil Gorsuch sided with the liberal justice on the court. As noted by Catholic News Agency, the suit claims discrimination after the University of Maryland St. Joseph Medical Center, a Catholic-founded hospital now in the University of Maryland medical system, refused to remove the uterus of 33-year-old Jesse Hammonds of Baltimore, a physically healthy transgender individual. The suit argues that the hysterectomy would not have been canceled if it were for diagnosis other than gender dysphoria. The Catholic outlet reported because the hospital performs hysterectomies for other diagnosed conditions. It has treated Hammonds unfairly. Hammonds said the surgery would help eliminate the production of estrogen and drastically improve mental health. Cited in the suit is the landmark Supreme Court decision from last month concerning gender. In a landmark 6-3 ruling, the Supreme Court decided Monday that Title VII, which protects workers from employment discrimination on the basis of gender, can be interpreted to include discrimination based on sexual orientation, extending the protections of federal employment law to LGBT individuals, the Daily Wire's Emily Zanotti reported at the time. The ruling was unexpected, Zanotti noted, and given the largely conservative makeup of the court, it will likely give rise to further cases testing the limits of Title VII protections for LGBT workers, the Associated Press reports. Yeah, I don't know that this is necessarily necessary. And this does look like, this. are they going to a Catholic hospital? Yeah, a Catholic hospital. So this is entirely, some. this is the cake baker case all over again, is what this is. There was any number of other hospitals that probably would have performed the surgery, especially state-run hospitals, but they had to go to the Catholic hospital and force the nuns that run the Catholic hospital to do their bidding for them instead of just going somewhere else for an elective surgery. And guess what? I bet you if this does get overturned in the courts and this person winds up having to get the surgery at the Catholic hospital, I bet you they go right back after Jack Phillips one more time. I. I would almost be willing to put money on it at this point. But that's what we see from this here. We will see what happens from this. I'm sure we'll hear more of this as we go along here. 
All right. Something we talked a bit about yesterday with a new development here. NFL owner and Trump ambassador to the UK sparks watchdog in, uh, inquiry over allegations of racist and sexist remarks and push to promote Trump businesses. From Jenis, uh, Jennifer Hansler, Kylie Atwood, and Nicole Gowett. The billionaire NFL owner who serves as President Trump's ambassador to the UK was investigated by the State Department watchdog after allegations that he made racist and sexist comments to staff and sought to use his government position to benefit the president's personal business with the UK, multiple sources told CNN. Robert Wood, Woody Johnson, the top envoy since August of 2017, to one of the United States' most important allies, made racist generalizations about black men and questioned why the black community celebrates Black History Month, according to the exclusive new information shared with CNN. Three sources and a diplomat familiar with the complaints to the State Department Inspector General. His comments about women's look have been cringeworthy, a source with knowledge of the situation said, and two sources say it was a struggle to get him on board for an event for International Women's Day. He said some pretty sexist, racist things, the diplomat with knowledge of the complaints made to the IG of Johnson, an heir to the Johnson & Johnson fortune and one of the owners of the New York Jets. Asked about the specific allegations reported by CNN, Johnson did not deny them. He called it an honor of a lifetime to serve as ambassador and to lead the talented, diverse team of U.S. mission to the United Kingdom. Johnson called the team the best in diplomacy, adding, I greatly value the extraordinary work that each and every member of the team does to strengthen and deepen our vital alliance. So, they caught him on one thing, which they're still trying to prove, and the ambassador over in Scotland, or not the ambassador, but the uh, head of state over in uh, Scotland said, no, that didn't happen. And now they're trying to take him down elsewhere, too. They're trying to ruin his life because he decided to work for Trump. And I don't know. I, like I said, he didn't deny the allegations. He said that they happened. So I don't know why this... I mean, I know why this is all coming out now because we are nearing up to the election and trying to get anything on anybody is going to be the biggest thing that they can do. But, yeah, it's an election year. It's an election year tactic, and it is an election year. So we've got a lot of things going on that we wouldn't normally see. All right. Last one here, a little bit off of politics, but just something that uh, I found very interesting yesterday. From Complex, fans are hyped about a report claiming Donald Glover is in the talks for a Lando Calrissian Star Wars series. From Trace William Cohen. Though it has been in no way confirmed by any of the involved parties, you're sh uh, you've surely seen a tweet or three popping up in celebration of widely circulating claims that Donald Glover will be returning as Lando Calrissian for a new Disney Plus series. The current source of all this uh, is the team behind the YouTube channel Castle Run Transmissions, which said on Wednesday, this is significant among fans because, as Jeremy Conrad over at Star Wars Unity points out, the Kessel Run Transmissions team previously bagged a scoop related to the Bad Batch ahead of the formal Lucasfilm announcement. Still, the latest Glover report, which further claims the solo star has signed on or is close to doing so, hasn't been confirmed. The troubled production behind 2018 Solo, which marked Glover's inaugural turn as the beloved franchise, or er, yeah, franchise character first brought into pop culture lexicon by Billy D. Williams famously resulted in the firing of Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, and while it would be disingenuous to call that a Star Wars story entry a failure, the movie, 
which ultimately enlisted the services of occasional GOAT Ron Howard, arguably fell short of what it could have been with the origin story of Han Solo. At any rate, fans of Glover's take on Lando had taken kindly to Wednesday's report, though we must again stress that his return, uh, return has not been confirmed. Following the spread of the latest rumblings about a new series beyond the trailer, Coast Graves Randolph reminded the public of her initial report on Glover, ex Lando, development stemming from way back in April. So, there were a lot of people that were pissed about this. I know Razor Fist came out and said something about it, and a few other people popped up, and I found this, like he said, on the Twitter feed over it. This is probably not the worst news to come out of Walt Lucas at this point. They're, they've done a lot worse decisions off of this. And I kind of enjoyed the Solo movie. They're right. It wasn't what it could have been. It could have been a lot better if they'd had different writers, better writers, and explored different parts of the story and the extended universe. That could have been a lot better movie than it was. But it wasn't a terrible movie. You know what was a terrible movie? The second one, episode... Uh, Episode 8. And I cannot think of the name of it right now. That was a terrible movie. The one that Ryan Johnson did, that was a horrible movie. I didn't watch Rise of Skywalker. I don't know if I could bring myself to do it. I might just so I know what's going on with it. Now that it's on Disney Plus and I don't have to pay for it because my sister pays for it. Now that it's on there, I might. But it's going to be a hard road to go to see after what they did with episode 8 no but this probably wouldn't be the most terrible thing that Walt Lucas did I mean a lot of people didn't like the fact that Danny Glover did uh, was the Lando Calrissian I thought he he did capture a lot of the a lot of the internal struggle and what Lando faced in Empire Strikes Back I thought he was a good Lando for what little we saw him on the, uh, on the screen. Like I said, that movie could have been better. It wasn't terrible. And I would give this a chance. I would, I would watch it if it happened. I wouldn't be able to make a decision until I watched it, but I would watch this. All right, that is going to be it for the news today, and we are going to end with a thing that I like and a thing that I hate. So a thing that I like. I've got another video here to show you guys. Both of these come from uh, Twitter today, the things I like and things I hate today. So just looking at the image on your screen right now, the image of the video there, you would probably think that this is probably some social justice warrior. But I've been noticing a lot more mainstream attention to some of the conspiracies, especially involving the pedophilia rings and the rich and the powerful who are trying to tell you how to feel and how to go along with your own daily interactions rather than dealing with their own interactions and letting you make your own decisions. So this does strike a lot at a lot of celebrity culture. Let's have a listen to what uh, Judith Rose has to say here. Let me get your ears back on. For those of you who don't know, Q is a movement that is painted as a scary alt-right Nazi group without actually addressing the issues it's bringing up within our world's governments. Q encourages you to ask questions, be respectful of differing opinions, think for yourself, and above all, be kind. This is unlike anything I've ever seen. Any extremists within the movement that encourage violence or separation or division aren't welcome or celebrated. 
Anything sent to divide the movement is done because there is some force out there that is intimidated by the fact that we want humanity to come together against the web of global human trafficking perpetuated by the people we were told to trust. Some people out there should know me better than to call me anything anti except for anti-hate. Don't you see that hate has become a trend that everyone thinks it's cool to follow? I was guilty of it too. People should be allowed to make mistakes without getting death threats. What's going on? Why do they want you to be so full of hate? For those of you who don't know, Q is a movement that... Alright, so, and absolutely what she was saying with that really, really does ring true. I mean, I don't buy into Q, but it does raise a lot of questions. It does get people thinking. I don't think that anything that's put out by QAnon right now is true. But it makes you think, and it makes you explore. I've gone down and looked into news stories and found completely different things because of something that Q posted. Now, what Q posted was wrong, but it's led me to find other conclusions and other things as well that wound up being green check verified. So, yeah, I, I get behind with this. And the hate, especially, there is. There is this massive cabal of people that are out there saying, okay, well, you just trust what we tell you and don't worry about it. That's where we got Jeffrey Epstein from the human trafficking, and everything else. Not just what goes on in the government, but what goes on in the government to cover up and make sure that people can keep uh, keep having this human trafficking happen because it's making a lot of people a lot of money. So, and yeah, we need to end some of the hate. Hate has become trendy right now. I don't call people names online when I get into arguments. I show them, I point out what I see. And I let them decide, and usually they'll throw and hurl insults back at me because, like she said, like Judith said, there is a lot of hate in the world at this point, and it's it is a trend to do. So, yeah, this was a this was a good video, and like I said, just to look at the face of this person, you wouldn't expect this to be the video that it was, and I was very surprised when I opened it up and started listening. But thank you, Judith Rose, for your message of uh, question everything, find all the facts, and draw your own conclusions. All right, now for a thing that I hate. So, this tweet came from Comfortably Smug yesterday. And it's a tweet thread. I replied to it uh, along with uh, our friend Freckle Liberty from over on the Freckles and Brit show. And I've replied to a couple of other comments from it. But let's start with the thread here. From Comfortably Smug, who I have been following since I started on Twitter. We've been following each other since... It's, Gotta been three years at this point because I started when I was still writing. I hadn't even picked up the uh, camera or the microphone when I started Twitter. And this guy's been here for uh, since the beginning. Uh, reminder that libertarians are not conservatives. Libertarians are not Republicans. Libertarians are godless degenerates who think that Ayn Rand's dumb books and the free market will save them from the commie hordes. Comfortably smug goes on. How are people, libertarians after high school or college, grow up asshole and pick a team? Most libertarians are just too cowardly to be Republicans because they're afraid their lib friends won't like them anymore. Newsflash, no one likes libertarians. They have no friends. He continues and concludes, Libertarians really think that if they defend Antifa and Amazon, enough people might actually like them. Outstanding strategy and likely why the Libertarian Party wins so many elections. And this is... There, it's obvious why this is what I hate. Because 
absolutely nothing that he says is true. Well, some of the stuff that he says is true because I replied up here, libertarians are not conservatives. Congratulations, did you just come up with that on your own? That's kind of the point. The Republican Party has failed in defending your personal freedoms in favor of establishment power and selling you into the hands of the progressive agenda. Enemy 88 says, we just, we just need to replace the bad Republicans with good Republicans. Uh, which a, uh, another thread went out with that. Freckle Liberty said, some libertarians are conservatives, which is also true. I've only read one Aunt, uh, Ayn Rand book and it was meh, but okay, the rant is so cliche. Um, Deutscher Americaner says, what have conservatives conserved uh, exactly, which I reminded him. Uh, Beltway establishment and big government control is what conservatives have conserved. Yeah, the GOP is not an individual liberty party. Now, there are some conservative ideas that go along with being a libertarian, including the fact that it's, we're seeing spend, 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 spend out of the government forever and forever, forever and ever and ever. That's all they do is just spend, 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 spend. And the libertarian ideal is taxation is theft, so we should stop spending so we ha can stop taxing. The non-aggression principle is another big thing. But the biggest thing, of course, that separates the libertarian party from the GOP is the fact that whatever you want to do, that's on you, dude. So... If you want to go out, if you're a dude and you want to go make out with another dude, have at it. I don't want to make out with you. Don't force me to make out with you. And we're all cool. And that's where it all separates out from there. And of course, they get all kinds of angry because, especially on the conservative side, where Comfortably Smug is, all kinds of angry. Because apparently these libertarian votes, the votes for Joe, are automatically going to come away from Trump's uh Trump's base, and that means that Trump is going to lose. Now, I think there was a little bit of uh, a little bit of uncomfortable allyship between a lot of libertarians and Trump uh, in 2016, because he was an anti-war candidate. He wanted to end the wars, and he was something new, so we didn't know what he was going to do. For the most part, as a businessman, we could probably see that he would hate taxes, so do anything he can to eliminate taxes. I think there was a lot of uncomfortable allyship that could go there. Yes, we all knew he was a Manhattan Democrat, an authoritarian boardroom guy, but for the most part, there were a lot of things we could do. But after the Patriot Act, he lost a lot of the Libertarian Party as well. But yeah, this is just the fact that this person, and I'm going to continue to follow the person. I'm, I mean, it's his opinion. I'm not going to wish him poorly over it and hope that he dies or anything because of it. He's a person. He's entitled to see what he wants to see. But I am going to come out and correct the record, and I'm going to let you guys know, especially as libertarian as my audience is, that this is something that you're going to have to deal with coming into November as well. So keep that in mind as you go forward. And that is going to be it for the day. So thanks, everybody, for coming out and checking us out here today. We will be back here tomorrow with more news and reading the names of everybody who chatted in the live chat, including the people who were kind of nasty over yesterday and today. We'll go check all of that out tomorrow along with more news. I'm sure that there's going to be more brewing because there's always more brewing because it's election season right now. So come back and join me tomorrow in the morning. Until then, I'm Jay Edgar, and this is Contemporary. <laughs>